This, this is the Our Auto Expert Podcast. Find us on air, online, on mobile, and on your smart speaker. Please subscribe at ourautoexpert.com. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Now, here's the host of Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Nick Miles. Locally created, nationally celebrated from the northeast to the southwest, this is America's Car Radio Show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on smartphone, smart speaker, almost everywhere. It's where two million Americans get their automotive news daily. I'm Nick Miles, your host, along with Truck Girl Jen, and this is our auto expert. Uh, For the first time in a long time, uh, you've enjoyed our ride in today. (laughs) Yeah. You had a running board that came out the bottom of the vehicle. You I didn't did. have to climb up in. I didn't have to put a ladder or get down on all fours so you could use me as a step. Yeah. It was quite enjoyable for you, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, was. it? it was. great. Um, the best part about the vehicle. Is because the climb? Uh-huh. Oh, the running board. Yeah. You run, jump. We drove the Ford Expedition <laughs> King Ranch version in today uh, to the studio. It's great, although um, I did whack the mirror going through the Starbucks drive through <laughs> which is... It's bigger than you think. It's actually uh, based on the Ford F-150. Shush, I've got to tell somebody now that I I hit the, I didn't, I, oh, I haven't looked at the back of the mirror, and but the, do, it didn't crack it. It just knocked it in. And you do realize we have two people on today from Ford. So. Yeah, we're not going to mention it. They're not listening right now. We'll nope, be fine. They'll, they'll hear it. No, they won't. No, nobody's <laughs> going to know because you're going to keep your trap shut. No. Yeah, shush. I'm going to send them the copy of this. So, so why do you hate vehicles so much, Jen? I don't hate vehicles. <laughs> <laughs> You're so cute. Uh, the King Ranch, she, uh, Jen asked me if there was a snake as part of the logo. <laughs> no, it's actually a bull with horns, and I know you could mistake that for a snake, Jen, but only you. No one else in the studio would mistake that for a snake. It looked like a snake. It's a bull with two horns. It, it didn't look like a bull Thanks with for two coming horns. to work today, yeah, Jen. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, so it's I, I, I like rustic. it. It's rustic. Well, it's a ranch. I know. It's King Ranch edition. That's what edition. I said. It's very cowboyish. Yeah, King Ranch edition. Yeah. Imagine that. Tan leather, buckles, seat pockets, just saddle I material. I lived in Wyoming for six months. Right. That's where that vehicle belongs. Uh, it belongs in my driveway. Hello. I <laughs> own one if they didn't start at $72,000, and the one I have is probably about eighty five. dollars Yeah, it, it's very lush. Plush. It's lush, lush and plush. Lush I love plush. the Expedition, by the way. It's basically a Ford F one fifty just boxed in. I I like the truck based SUVs. You know, the uh, Chevy has them. Mm-hmm. D- Dodge doesn't have, or not Dodge. Yeah, well, no, not Dodge. Uh, hopefully, Jeep will have a Ram based Ram fifteen hundred based SUV in the Jeep Jeep Grand Wagoneer, which we should find out about before the end of the year. Holding mm-hmm. my breath. Uh, there you go. Hey, welcome to the show. Pack show today. I've got three minutes to tell you about it because then we've got to dive into the first interview. Pack show today. Ted Ryan's going to be here from Ford. We're going to talk about all of the, bron- the Bronco stuff. We know all about <laughs> it. We've had it on a million times. Here's the deal. It's still the m- one of the most talked about topics. Like uh, I probably did about uh, 20 videos. Actually, 30. I, can, I did 32 appearances on the Bronco. Um well, you were very fortunate to be yeah, one six, of the very first people. Yeah, 6.5, no, 6.5, yeah, 6.58 million people 
we talked to about the Bronco. It's crazy. Um, and we're going to talk some more today on the show. Uh, we're also going to find about the uh, Toyota 86. They have a special edition called the Hanok edition. I kind of want to know what Hanok stands for. I like it very much, this dark green with a fin on the back. It's very cool. We're also going to talk about the new Dodge Durango SRT Hellcat. I'm excited. <laughs> Uh, gotta love that. And uh, talking about what was in my driveway, I also had the VW Atlas. We'll get to that. Mike Cordell is going to join us. He's from Our Auto Expert. We're going to talk about Peachtree Corners, which is uh, the first municipally owned smart city in the United States where they have autonomous vehicles. It's all connected with 5G. Very high tech, maybe too much for you. Uh, Jim Owens is going to join us to talk about the Mark One later on. And uh, we'll also talk about the latest financial trends, what's going with autonomy and electric vehicles. Anton Woolman, Perry Stearns going to uh, talk about vehicles he loves to drive in the sun. Mm-hmm. Should on or off? I'm not sure. But we'll find out all about that in today's show. All right. Ted's on the phone. We want to talk more Bronco stuff. Uh, This, of course, has dominated the news cycle for the last couple of weeks. Even though everybody else is trying to weasel in there with their introductions, it's probably the most anticipated introduction in the United States. It had millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of viewers. Um, And it's based, of course, which is Ted's specialty, on the 1966 original Bronco. Very Mm -hmm. good looking. Uh, So first of all, Ted, has the Bronco been received as expected from uh, everybody at Ford? Uh, Honestly, the the last internal memo I saw said we had high expectations for this and we beat every one of them. So it's, it's just been a home run as far as the reception from the public. I'm so glad I can actually talk about the car and some of the features now instead of just teasing it. Uh, I've seen... I'm literally, I'm on the website right now. I'm ordering my sport. Excellent. Nice. I didn't, uh, I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot of comments about it, and it's quite funny. You can tell who's clearly a Jeep fan, and they're trying to find any chink in the armor, but it's it's not working. Uh, I I am one of those people that have the philosophy that competition is great. You know, you fire somebody up. Like this is going to be great for Jeep. It's going to fire them up. It's going to get them going. The this the bar is going to be raised in the uh, in the segment. And as long as there's Jeep fans and and Bronco fans, the segment will move forward. And I think that's I'm really glad that Jeep has some competition now. And of course, I'm sure you would say, Ted, that there's no con- competition in it. That the Bronco just uh, stomps all over the Jeep. I'm sure there'll be some argument from the Jeep uh, Jeep folks. So let's talk about this. Three different versions of the Bronco. Bronco, uh, the Sport, the two-door, and the four-door, right? That is correct. And I actually I agree with you. I think this is going to be great for Jeep and great for Ford. And I have Jeep fans who have reached out to me going, it's, it's good to, to get a, a kick in the rear for Jeep to get them to do some innovation. Uh, you're, you're right on the three models. The two-door is the homage to the original. Uh, 66, the four-door is more the family version. And although it's it still got chops, it's still an off-road beast. And then the Sport is a little bit smaller. It has the off-road capability, but not to the extent uh, that its two bigger brothers do. Uh, I've got two 20-year-old sons, and both of them have ordered the Badlands package on the Sport. Uh, just to, I can't wait to get in the car. I can't wait to, to see the delivery cycle beginning uh, late this year. And uh, I, I'm fortunate enough to have gotten to, to be in all three of them ride in all three of them and they just ride so well it's an amazing amazing technological work that our engineering team did uh to pull off 
not not recreating a 1966 Bronco, but taking that DNA of the goes anywhere, does anything philosophy and applying it to the newest technology we have today. I got to sit in all three of them in Detroit. I didn't get to drive them, of course. Uh, those those ideas have been reserved for the journalists uh, at a later date when the vehicles are closer to production. Um, there is plenty to like about this vehicle, including you know the, the exterior looks, the interior looks, the technology, the capability. But I do think it's kind of cute that every single one of them has a bottle opener in the back. I <laughs> That it cracked me up because I went to Holly Oaks for the photo shoot last week, and they had a, a Mexican Cokes lined up in the back of the sport on that little table and the bottle opener there for for everybody to to try it. I think it's great, and the attention to detail that went in with the design team, the way that they really tried to understand the customers and they they talked to real customers, brought them in over and over. Uh, little things like putting a bike rack in the back of the sport instead of on the top because right. one of the customers was a five foot two woman who couldn't physically reach to the top to put her bike on the on the roof right and that was an aha moment so designing for the customers in mind and i, I think that when people get to sit on them and see them uh they're going to be surprised at, at how much um, thought has gone into the cars. What's interesting to me as a historian is that's exactly what Ford was doing in 66. They were trying to find a niche between uh, the International Harvester Scout and the Jeep CJ. Uh, you know, neither one of those were comfortable highway rides. So the right. initial Bronco was supposed to be a two-wheel on the highway and four-wheel when they got off the highway. Will the first ones arrive before the end of the year? Uh, they will. The, uh, the sports will. Okay. Uh, the two and the four-door, are. you're looking uh, early spring of right. next year. And uh, so the sport's going to be the first one out of the stable, and then uh, uh, the two and the four will follow shortly after that. So here's here's a question I'm sure you don't know the answer to, but it's an important question for those of us who have our own businesses, uh, because there is an agricultural tax um, law that allows you to purchase a vehicle tax-free if it's over a certain weight. Uh, do we know what the four-door will have a gross vehicle weight of? Will it be over uh, 5,500 pounds? I don't know that, and uh, I can have John send you the technical specs on it. I do know that they haven't completed all the and you know NPG tests and all those right. types of those tests are still being conducted now. So, but we we can get you the weight. Yeah, uh, and I'd love that. And for those people that don't know about this, if you own your own business, you can purchase a vehicle as long under this agricultural law, which has existed for eons, but it has to be, I believe, over fifty five hundred pounds gross vehicle curb weight. Um, and uh, if you know, it, so the first time Jeep ever had a vehicle that reached that was the the Jeep uh, Wrangler four door um, diesel. So that was uh, that was an interesting one. All right, so there uh, the first editions. I know the website crashed because of interest uh, the night uh, that it went uh, was announced, but the first editions are, are gone, right? Uh, they are gone, and the website did crash, which is a good problem and a bad problem <laughs> to have. And I, I don't have the numbers of sales, so I can't even uh not reveal them because i don't know them all i know is that uh there have been a lot of happy executives and then uh, <laughs> briefing this week uh, uh it was it was lauded the the launch was lauded and the, the other thing about the 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 customizable capabilities of all three of the models uh paul wraith was the lead designer on this project and he i was with him on wednesday he said anybody with 15 minutes and a wrench can completely customize their car oh yeah no. they can yeah, I, change the flaps, everything. 
I I know that there is that, that they can take it apart and to even take the bumpers off with screws. Um, listen, if you want to know more about the Bronco, the best way to do it is to go to the Ford website. You can also order your Bronco there. Uh, there are three versions. That we, we talked about this with uh, Ted: the two door, the four door, and the sport version. You can get four trim levels in the sport, six trim levels in the uh, in, in the four and two door, and even the Sasquatch package. Sasquatch package, right? This is our auto expert. Thanks to Ted. More to come. You're listening to our auto expert. Catch up with previous episodes of the show. Our website, ourautoexpert.com. You can hear all the past shows, see our automotive videos, and read insider car stories about your next ride. Our Auto Expert is where 2 million American, American, Americans American? get their automotive news daily. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm having awesome. trouble with words today. Words are my enemy today. Um, I always I have to thank uh, Jordan an awful lot because uh, I'm really, really bad with pronunciations. Uh, when I worked for the BBC, I used to have to... Uh, call. We get someone with a Polish last name. I used to have to call the World Service Office, and I would send them an, or send them an email with the name of the person, and they would call me and tell me how to pronounce it. Um, so uh, Jordan knows how terrible I am, and he asks every guest how to pronounce their last. Now you're seeing that I've removed the fourth wall, and uh, you're seeing what the show really is, what really happens behind the scenes. But that means that uh, uh, Tim Anik, I'm pronouncing his last name correctly. He is Dan with small passenger cars. Uh, hey, Tim, thanks for joining us. Uh, I hope I got it right. It's Anik, right? You did get it right. Yeah, thanks for asking. Right. I, I know oftentimes people do mispronounce it. Um, thank you for not having a really complicated Polish last name, by the way, which is really nice. <laughs> That's I, the other side of the family. Right. I would, I would completely butcher it and everybody would hate me afterwards. I'm so, I, some people have told me that, that, how did you get that out of that? So I'm glad. Uh, let's talk a little bit about this 86 uh, Hanok, because this is, a, the 86, of course, originally a Scion uh, FRS. It was, I was there at the launch of this. It was done in Las Vegas. I was super excited. It's kind of your uh, your answer to the Mazda Miata, but in so much of a different way and so much of a Japanese sports car, uh, Z kind of car racing uh, format. And and you guys came up came up with the uh, the original car with Scion. As Scion folded into the Toyota brand, uh, it became the 86, which is the original name for the vehicle, right? 86 is kind of like your old race cars. That's exactly right. So that so the heritage of this model uh, traces back to the AE86, which is uh, a Corolla variant from the from the late 1980s. And we actually in this in this model we get the name from the bore and the stroke. So the bore and the stroke are both 86 millimeters. Okay. Oh, that's All right. cool. This highly technical now. It hurts my head thinking I about that. <laughs> uh, so the 86 is what the FRS became. Great little sports car, entry-level two-seater from uh, Toyota. Uh, and uh, and now what you guys have done is you came up with a special edition. So I, I have been many times to Japan with Toyota. Um, I have been to the Tokyo Auto Show for the last two uh, seasons that it happened uh, as a guest of Toyota and uh, seen some incredible stuff, got to drive some incredible stuff that you're working on for the future that I can't talk about. But uh, I have never come across the name Hanok. So tell me the history behind this, and then let's talk about the car a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And Nick, I, I fear you may have jinxed yourself at the beginning because it is actually pronounced Hakone. And <laughs> the Hakone edition is, is really our homage to the drivers who take the long run home. That's the short answer. I would say the longer answer is that 
Of course, at Toyota, we're a bunch of car enthusiasts. Akio Toyota, our president, you know, made that promise, no more boring cars. And this is the embodiment of that sentiment. So the 86 of the model is all about walkie doki, which is roughly translated to heart-pumping excitement. All right. And this car prioritizes that, that driving experience. Um, so, and I mean, there's some more to the story. So okay. I, will, I will get back to Hakone <laughs> if, you'll give me, if you'll give me some liberty. So as a huge car guy myself, I can tell you that the 86 is awesome to drive. It's so much fun. It's really engaging and dynamic and really well-balanced. And when you think about the heritage of Waku Doki at Toyota, so much of that has to do with the mountainous landscape in Japan, right? Which, as you mentioned, you know, has given birth to some incredible roads, really, really fun country to drive in. And because the 86 is for drivers who take the long way home, we wanted to pay homage to one of our favorite roads that helped kind of shape us and our identity as, as a car company. And you talked about the AE86. And the AE86, as you, as you may or may not know, has a real kind of pop culture legacy that originates from Initial D, which is uh, an anime and manga about drifting. And, you know, part of drifting is, has origins in these really windy mountain roads. So the road that we wanted to pay homage to is the Hakone Turnpike, which is, which is a re- kind of just two hours southwest of Tokyo. And it's this incredible tollway that dry, uh, kind of winds its way up to the, the top of the mountain. And for basically $6.50, about 720 yen, you get some of the most incredible high-speed corners and straightaways that, you know, they're draped between these really beautiful craggy hills and misty valleys with ocean views from a lot of it. And so the gorgeous temperamental green that you see on the car is really meant to be evocative of the foliage um, on the Hakone Turnpike and the driving experience that it offers. Uh, and, of course, I was butchering it, pronouncing it uh, how I thought it was <laughs> pronounced, so Hakone. Uh, let's talk about the vehicle because it comes with some upgrades from the regular 86, right? Yeah, exactly. So, uh, as I mentioned, it comes with that exclusive Hakone green paint. It comes with unique 17-inch bronze, bronze finished uh, alloy wheels. But then inside, we've also done a lot of upgrades. So, of course, we have standard sport front bucket seats that are heated, but this particular model has a unique interior color combination, which is tan leather bolsters with black Alcantara inserts. So typically, uh, Grand Lux as kind of a, as a suede-like material, but this is Alcantara. We also have leather trim steering wheel. We have a black and tan contrast stitch throughout. You also get premium carpeted trunk mat with tan contrast stitching, tan key glove and folio cover. You also get the 86 logo embossed in tan on the passenger side dashboard. And then, of course, all model year 20 Toyota 86s come with a 7-inch standard head unit that's new that brings Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. It is a wonderful drive, and it's an incredibly looking, very incredibly good-looking vehicle. Um, that green paint is absolutely outstanding. In fact, I've been trying. <laughs> I, I need to repaint a car, and so I've been trying to match it, uh, which is kind of cool. <laughs> and uh, and then lastly, uh, tell us the starting price and availability. Yeah, absolutely. So we made we made about a thousand for the United States market. Um, I will say, if you if you like it and you're hoping about hoping to get one, I would head to a dealership right now. I would turn I would turn off the radio and head straight to the dealership. We are running out of stock. It's been incredibly well received by both the press and our customers. Um, starting price for the manual transmission vehicle is twenty nine eight seventy, and then for the automatic transmission, it's thirty thousand dollars thirty thirty thousand five ninety. Awesome. So automatic, obviously, a little bit more expensive. 
Absolutely fantastic. And by the way, you don't have to turn off the radio to drive to a dealership. You can keep it on the car. That's what we recommend. Hey, Tim, thanks for spending some time with us. The, uh, the vehicle available right now, uh, and we have a video of it coming up on our website. So keep checking back at our auto experts. Stand by. More great stuff on the show to come. You won't believe what we have. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert Podcast. This is our Auto Expert Radio Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can start a conversation with us, ask questions, just direct messages at our Auto Expert. Uh, this is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. And, of course, you can see our TV segments all over the United States. All right, so let me just tell you, uh, there was great excitement in my household when Dodge announced uh, three different vehicles recently. And uh, Paul Till is joining us to talk about the Dodge Durango. Uh, the Durango, Paul, gets a brand-new exterior design, and it gets stupid horsepower. We'll talk about that in a second, but you've updated the exterior hellish horsepower yes hellish, hellish horsepower. yeah, yeah. <laughs> thanks, <laughs> thanks for having me uh having me on the show yeah we uh we did some great exterior updates to uh to the durango we put some new face and new led headlamps across the full lineup led uh fog lamps across the lineup and, and really what we did uh was really upgrade the interior we made it really driver-centric uh kind of challenger inspired everything's kind of taken towards the driver's side and it's a, uh, it's a beautiful upgrade on the inside and of course you already mentioned it's the engine. With Dodge, it's always about the engines. Right. So I love the Durango. I'm one of the, I'm a I'm a Durango fan through and through. If you gave me a Jeep Grand Cherokee and a Durango, I'd always choose the Durango. I re- would love it much more. Three rows uh, and the entertainment in the second row is great. I've had one on a six-term loan before, um, which I drove and absolutely loved when they first came out. When you guys first came out with the Citadel version of the vehicle, and I was texting to and from Tim Kaniskas when you did the unveil of this vehicle. Why did it take so long to put the Hellcat engine, giving it this 710 horsepower? Because this is what everyone was begging for this and the pacifica is what everyone was begging for on day one sometimes it's good to have fans that are begging for the content <laughs> so i think we uh we, we had a nice a nice upgrade to the durango in, in 2018 when we made the srt 392 that was a, a huge splash for us and uh we like to slowly you know add the add the content and build the excitement and make sure our fan base is uh is rapturous and ready for the, for the next major event. So a top speed of 180 miles an hour, a 0 to 60 miles an hour in 3.5 seconds. Uh, question is, apart from putting the Hellcat engine under the hood, what did you have to do to make sure this vehicle could withstand so much speed and power? Uh, there's definitely some major upgrades inside the uh, the vehicle. They upgraded a lot of the, the suspension to make sure the vehicle was ready to go. And really, it's a lot of a lot of testing, right? They take this car out west. They go and they try their stuff. They uh, they go to the truck. They go to the drive strip. So it's gone through its paces. And yeah, as you said, three and a half zero sixty, eleven point five NHRA certified quarter mile. And the real kicker for me is it totals eighty seven hundred pounds. Like right. we, this is the only car in the world that's gonna that's gonna do that. Yeah, and, and I actually, even though you upgraded the interior quite dramatically, uh, it still has that touch, look, and feel of the uh, the Durango on the inside. I can see that the center console is moved more towards the driver, but you also get a, a faster, more efficient, and simpler to use uh, software now with your infotainment system. Yeah, so this is going to be the first integration of the Uconnect 5 system with a 10.1-inch uh, radio. That system takes everything that's great about the Uconnect system, the simplicity, and kind of ports it over into this newer screen. It's going to be five times faster. You're going to have wireless Apple CarPlay. 
wireless Android Auto. We put in a uh, a wireless charging pad as well. So it's really going to be great for the driver. And as you mentioned, it's all it's all tilted and can't really because the driver. There's a seven degree tilt from that screen towards the driver's side, all biased. Really, the kind of camera home that Dodge feel in the interior. Um, we hear that it has an incredible new exhaust system, but we I've never heard it. So how does it sound? So amazingly, I was able to get a car this week. So I drove a, the Durango SRT Hellcat for about three days, and the exhaust is amazing. One of the big things that we did with it was we put the, the biggest ever X-pipe into this car. So it's a 10-inch X-pipe uh, connecting the two parallel pipes from the uh, cold end of the exhaust, really to balance out that tone coming out uh, the four-inch exhaust tips. It is great, especially when you turn around early in the morning in the garage and the whole house rumbles. Yeah, no, I like to do that with my neighbors, especially when it has uh, something that you've had on uh, Dodge products for a long time, which is the automatic start. I like to do it. I like to park it at the end of the driveway and start it first <laughs> thing in the morning and see if I can make my neighbor's window shake. That's every time I have a Hellcat, I like to do that. Uh, so this yeah. vehicle, uh, when does it go on sale? When can we buy it? How much is it going to be? So we're going to start producing this in early January. So uh, orders will probably start being uh, rolled up in uh, to November timeframe. Uh, pricing will be announced closer to the uh, actual uh, uh, start of production date. But there's a lot of data points out there, and I think everything I've seen online, people are zeroing in pretty close on the price. Does it get some of the things that were in other uh, Hellcats, like launch control and things like that? Yes, you have launch control. You'll have the drive modes. You'll have the performance pages. And the biggest thing is you'll have the right key. <laughs> the red, red and the black key, key. so uh, <laughs> you can decide who gets to drive it crazy and who gets to drive it on so the black will do 500 horsepower bar and the red will do 710 right uh so, so in this instance we are uh only offering the red key because it's all wheel drive all oh. wheel plus brown it's uh this car is although it's wicked fast it's you can't break it loose okay so you still have the you still have the valet mode available within the within the drive modes so you can knock it down to uh basically maps it like a v6 so the valley mode is available for anyone that uh, shouldn't have 710 horsepower. All right. That's well, one way to scare the kids. Launch the, control. There's, <laughs> there's plenty of people who probably shouldn't have uh, have it. Uh, when, when are we going to get a chance to drive it? Because, of course, with COVID-19, we've not been able to uh, go on any vehicle launches. I know that we did a whole, the last SRT down in Indianapolis at the Motor Speedway there. We got to drive it around the track as well as drive the vehicles uh, out on the road. But are we going to get a chance to drive this at some point? Are you sending them out into the fleets towards the end of the year? We are still still working on doing a, a drive event in uh, in the fall. Those details will be coming out when when they're available. But you know, number one is we got to keep everyone safe, so we'll figure out how to do that and, and manage that event. But definitely, we need to get this out and uh, get into the hands of people just like yourself. Nice. I, I went to uh, to Holly Oaks uh, to or Holly in Michigan for the launch of the Bronco. And uh, I was just talking to the guys at the, the launch of the Bronco, and I was so excited about the Durango Hellcat. And they said, oh, there's a gas station over here, which is where Durango, uh, where Dodge fill up all their vehicles as they do the road tests with them. If you go and sit at the gas station, you can watch the new Hellcats come in. I was highly tempted. <laughs> I was highly tempted to do I that. Would have. <laughs> I was highly tempted to go and sit at the gas station. Unfortunately, I didn't have time to, to do that. So you, you're still doing your final tests on the vehicle, um, and you'll have some numbers, uh, sort of fuel numbers and that sort of thing for us towards the end of the year? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, that's that's, that's the, 
That, for some people, they care about that. For for Jen and I, we don't really care so much about how much fuel we use. We care much more about how it yeah, performs. Exactly. Uh, how much get, horsepower? Yeah, exactly. One of the things too. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and and there's no excuse now not to have that big trailer that you can tow behind the vehicle as well. Uh, to, let's talk a little bit about the uh, the upgrades of the interior. I've always thought the Durango had really great interior and didn't need any upgrades, but you, you apart from angling the uh, the center, center console slightly differently, uh, what else did it get on the inside? So we, uh, we basically updated the entire front cockpit, so it's going to be new door uppers, new IP, new center stack, um, that stuff has all been in redesigned our studio, and I, I, I love working with our studio. They, they take something like this that you, you think you, you don't need an upgrade to, and once they start showing you the images of what they can do, it, you're always like, oh, yeah, of course we want that. So um, the, new, the new IP is beautiful. It's, uh, you can get a wrapped version with an accent stitch on it. The new center stack with the new ITS uh, hard button. We made redundant hard buttons for things like the heated steering wheel, heated seats, cooled seats. So all that stuff that used to be buried in the head unit, you can now access through the ITS. And then that whole system, is just, it's, it allowed us then to raise up some space to make a little bit more space in the front cubby area. That's where the wireless charging pad is going to be located. Type A, Type C, USB charging ports. So it's, um, it's a serious upgrade to the interior. What you said was already a nice interior, which I agree. Um, but it's, again, the studio takes it, and they, and they just they knock it out of the park every time. Yeah, I noticed that the USB-Cs are a really important thing now for people who uh, who have phones, like USB-C to USB-C, although I have to carry an adapter because um, I, although I have a USB-C at one and it's very hard to get the cable with, with both of those as well. The the idea, too, is were customers asking for uh, other stuff on the inside as well? Were they asking for upgrades in this vehicle? Because I've always thought your infotainment system with the flip-down screens in the second row was about the best in the industry. Yeah, and you're, and you're still going to have those. That second running entertainment system is still going to be available in, in this car with a 9-inch uh, Blu-ray DVD player um, and also HDMI ports and ITA ports. So the interesting thing about the interior was when we survey our customers, people don't buy the car for the interior, but they don't reject the car for the interior either. So we really thought it was a great opportunity to take something that was pretty good and, and give it an upgrade. You know, So we, uh, we obviously did this up on the exterior because that's the number one purchase reason for Durango's and exterior styling. And the interior was where we thought we had an opportunity to really engage with our customers and, and drive home the, the Dodge-centric theme um, that we already have on the exterior of the car. All right. Uh, final thing, let's talk a little bit about uh, the sort of price we're going to pay. So start. Where does, the, where does the vehicle start? And if I fully load it, how, how high can I get it? Or can I fully load it? Can I put lots of extras on it? Uh, yes, you can definitely add extras on your SRT uh, Hellcat. So pricing will be announced closer to the to the production date, um, but there's a lot of goodies you can add. So you can, if you want, you can create your third row and get rid of get rid of some weight. You can add three seasons of Pirelli P0 uh, tires on there. You can add the trailer package, and um, we have all kinds of stuff for anyone that's uh, willing to to buy an SRT Hellcat. Uh, are the stripes optional, or uh, or do they come? Does it come with stripes on the hood? Because I see the photographs, the ones that, that, that I've seen have stripes already. Yeah, so the stripes are, stripes are optional. We have uh, we have five different colors. We do a gunmetal, a flame red, a blue, uh, silver, and then late last year we launched a uh, red line stripe, which is going to be a fat and black stripe with a red line tracer, which is going to be exclusive to the SRT 392 and the SRT Hellcat. All right.
I like the idea of this. Um, I can't wait to drive it, and I hope that uh, this pesky little COVID thing doesn't uh, doesn't get any worse, so we can actually get out and and give it a, a, a good drive. I would say Paul Till from uh, Dodge, the brand manager for Durango uh, SRT Hellcat, is coming soon. Finally, 710 horsepower. All right, stand by. We're going to talk about some of the vehicles. It's going to be a lot less thrilling, by the way. Some of the vehicles that we've been driving this week, and uh, tell you whether we think they're good buys or not. All that coming up. Our Auto Expert. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. You know, your smart speaker can be your radio. Just say, hey, Google, hey, Alexa, or hey, Siri, our auto expert uh, radio I'm show. Flattered, Play it. But that's not me. Oh. I'm your Google Assistant. Oh, what apparently. Can I do for you? Oh, yeah. I did that yesterday and peed off their Google Assistant because it uh, upset them immensely. <laughs> Google does not like to be called Siri, just to let you know. Um, and then uh, ask them to play the latest episode of Our Auto Expert. You get hours of endless fun. It awaits you. I'm Nick Miles. This is Our Auto Expert radio show where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. Uh, I think it's absolutely amazing how America has bounced back with car sales from COVID. Uh, I was expecting to see it much worse, but it's not as bad as uh, it has been, in fact, uh, as a country, we're only about eight, between eight and four percent down from uh, pre-COVID predictions, and I thought it would still be fifty percent down. So people are out there back buying cars. I mean, when you stop people buying cars for a couple of months, they they don't get back to, well, you know, it's hard. I, yes, it is. But I'm also wondering if that kicker check of six hundred dollars helped some people. I think it you did. Know? You know, one of the problems is that we're having is inventory. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these companies did not produce. It's interesting to watch companies who produce vehicles outside the United States, and those vehicles are still coming in because those factories are back up and running. But the the companies who do produce in the United States are playing catch-up. And, and uh, we just talked to some local dealers, and they're, they're having trouble with inventory. They've got a lot of cars that they sell occasionally and not a lot of the big sellers. You know, the big sellers that churn out RAV4s from Toyota, those kind of vehicles that uh, Americans love to buy, it's, you're having a hard time getting them. Mm-hmm. In fact, I posted a story on the Kia 2021 Telluride, oh, yeah. which I love that vehicle. And, you know, like 20,000 people watched it almost instantly online. And now they're saying that uh, some people are saying, hey, I've had mine on order for seven months. Seven months they've been waiting for vehicles. And that's made in Georgia. Um, Have you seen any on the road? I saw one the other day and I was just like, wow. (laughs) I am not sure about two things on it. Hmm. Um, I'm not sure about the daytime running lights, the orange circles or the orange squares around the daytime running lights. And the tail lights are different. But they look, um, they're interesting. I think they might get a little update. The vehicle overall is a home run. Home, home run. Yeah, it is. From them. Uh, Just really did a good job. Built for America, uh, built in America, designed in America. It's engineered here. They did a really, really good job in in making that vehicle. You know what else they did a good job in making? Two other vehicles were built and designed and uh, made in America. (laughs) The Ford Ford. I was like, wait a minute. Are you asking me? No, I was expecting you you to say... The Ford Expedition King oh. Ranch. Oh, yeah. Which we've been driving. Yeehaw. Um, and the uh, the VW um, Atlas. Atlas. Yes. Do you know, um, I was looking at songs 
of cars. Do you know what the most uh, vehicles, the most appear in songs are? Camaro. No, well, Chevy is the brand that appears most. You know what number two is? I thought it would be the. Are you talking brands or are you talking cars? Well, the, when you go cars, it's a lot less. Like, for instance, okay. there's only four songs with Ford Expedition in them. I could find. <laughs> well, I know there's a lot of Camaro ones. Uh, there's, yes. Lamborghini. Uh, there's a lot of rap songs with Mercedes, mm-hmm. Lamborghini, Rolls Royce, Bentley in them. Mm-hmm. G wagon, uh, G wagon. Yeah, but not. <laughs> I mean, when you put them together with brands, so there's a lot more songs about brands. Okay, I don't know. Uh, if it's the countryside, I would say Ford. Ford F one fifties. Yeah, there's eighty eight songs with Ford uh, with Ford trucks in them. Mm-hmm. Ford F one fifties. Expedition. There's only four. But then there's this Mercedes. weird there's this weird crossover. Well, Mercedes is a, is a bit of a weird crossover because if you just search at lyrics lyric.com or lyrics.com mm-hmm. for Mercedes in song lyrics, there are also people called Mercedes. That's true. Which That's I know true. came probably after the car, but uh well it did definitely come after the car because the car's 100 and something years old. <laughs> but uh it, so it's difficult, but it's the same thing with the v- Volkswagen Atlas. In fact, I think there is about 80 songs in uh, that have VW or Volkswagen in the title. That's um, interesting. Yeah. Uh, Arlo Guthrie sang about the VW microbus. Mm. <laughs> of course he did. Um, <laughs> uh, but we lift, listen to different music, I think. Well, I, I just did some research. I was oh, just okay. on there just researching it. It oh, was okay. a, <laughs> a thrilling topic to research uh, just purely because I started to get into it. And uh, I was like, how many songs are there with a Cadillac? Whoa, 200, you know, 2,300 and something with the words Cadillac in them. Were they after the, or before the 70s? Oh, they're from all generations. Yeah, okay. <laughs> they're from all generations. Like, you, you'll find that a lot more cars were used in music up until about 1990. There's a lot of cars uh, in, in popular music. And then after 1990... It kind of cars were really only used in rap music. Mm-hmm. Um, so Debbie Harry had a couple. Do you know? Uh, and then they also used the word whip a lot. Work in process. Wi- no whip. <laughs> w H I P whip. Right. Do you know why they Devo. use? Devo. Do you know why they use the whip? Why whip is refer- used what? as a Go car ahead. reference? It's oh, it is. I didn't yeah. know that. Go whip, ahead. Whip, whip is is uh, in in. Rap terminology mm-hmm. is what they call cars, whips, mm. right? So how, hey, what whip are you got? What whip are you driving? Mm. Um, do you know, you see, you don't know why? Because whip is what a person that had a horse and carriage used to, to control the horse. It's like the accelerator. So when you oh, whip geez. the horses, they drive faster. That's how whip ended up as a term. Huh. You, you thought you were coming to do a radio show about cars. <laughs> and all I've done is educate you. <laughs> and you didn't pay anything for this. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> Aren't you proud? Yeah. Anyways. Uh, do you know what Volkswagen stands for? No. People's car. Oh. Volkswagen. Oh, duh. People's car. Mm-hmm. Volks, people's, car, wagen. Mm. Volkswagen. Verboten. Uh, f- <laughs> Verboten. 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 <laughs> Um, it's, it's super interesting. I mean, even if you go through names of cars as well, not just songs, but you know that, uh, VW at one point named all of their vehicles after weather systems. Mm. Golf was a Golf Stream. Uh-huh. Passat was a wind. 
Uh, it's really interesting when you go through it. You have a lot of time on your hands. No, I know. I'm just Do you educated. do this while you're on the plane? I'm just educated. No, I... And I'm educated. Yeah, That's okay. what I do. I'm, I do a Are lot of research. Are you car Google? Um, I am car... Uh, yes. <laughs> CarGoogle.com. You just cut, you just type it into your Nick, search engine, and, and on my face will come up. Oh my which gosh! Which is, uh, you know, I could tell you a thousand and one things about car naming, and some car companies name their cars through an agency. The agency will go and find names for cars which resonate with people. Okay, like I do know the Corvette. Yeah. Was a Navy ship. Okay. What what other one? Um, isn't the Camaro? Uh, a horse, wasn't it? Camaro is the name of a horse, isn't it? A stallion, because they had the Mustang was the name of a horse. I think Camaro is the name of a horse too. We'll Google that. All right, F one fifty. Where does that come from? I don't know. I'm not. I don't know Ford. Anyways, me neither. All right, <laughs> more our auto expert is on the way. We're going to talk a little bit about Ford Mark E Mark One Mustang Mark One. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert podcast. Oh, I just pressed something wrong on my computer. Before we get into the next segment, uh, Jen, you uh, you worked it out, right? You found out what uh, Corvette was it? Corvette? Camaro. Camaro. Camaro is a small, vicious animal that eats mustangs. Yeah, that didn't work out. So yeah, well. and the Corvette was the ship, and the Corvair is the Corvette and the Bel Air combined. Excellent. Yeah. Now, so you got it all worked out now. Yes. We're all good. Thanks we to Google. <laughs> Can we carry on with the show? Maybe. This is our auto expert. Our radio show is uh, is everywhere, by the way, if you want to uh, listen to it. It's Amer- America's car radio. Uh, all you have to do is basically listen and go to the website. You can see videos. You can hear reports. Um, and you can also find out about uh, the latest in uh, vehicles available online, on air, on smartphone, or on smart speaker. This is our auto expert. We're 2 million Americans get their automotive uh, news daily. Um, so we've got the naming down of the cars. So, uh, you know, that's you're, you're happy with that now? I am. All right. Just making sure. Until you drop the bomb about the Camaro. Oh. I need to. I need to pay attention. I've been a little distracted lately. Um, this week, I you know <laughs> I used to leave home on Sunday night and uh, and fly all around the world and then come back on Friday night. Uh, that would my that was my general week. Uh, but of course, with under COVID nineteen, that's not been happening until last week. Uh, I got to uh, I got to go to Atlanta with the other half of our auto expert Mike That's Cordell, exciting. and uh, and we went to a place called Peach Tree Corners, which mm-hmm. is uh, it's the Curiosity Lab, and it's a municipality that does uh, you know everything that the future city would look like. Isn't, isn't that right, Mike? It's like the future city of America is Peach Tree Corners. See, here's the problem: is you guys have me listen for three minutes before I get on air with you. And I want to talk about the Camaro and Mustang. Let's just be <laughs> perfectly clear, Jen. M- Mustangs kick Camaros' butt. No, I, no, my, no. I've it's driven never both. A question. Ew, I've driven both. And <laughs> and, and? I, anyways, I do have to say I'm kind of disappointed with the later model Camaro. And no, I don't like the. I just don't like the Mustang. I feel very. I can't say it because we've got somebody coming Just on there sale, talking sa- about the Mustang sales next. Numbers. Sales numbers. That's I all love I have to the say. 1970 Mach One Mustang. Sa- How about that? Sales numbers. That's all I have to say. Okay. Anyways, yes. There, there are fixes Peach for that problem that you have. There, are, there are fixes. Uh, there are prescriptions that will help you deal with your lack of affinity for modern day Mustangs. But you're right, Nick. Um, <laughs> 
the Curiosity Lab, we were there last week, you know, and we're talking about a government, you know, municipality-based smart city. And I think the question everybody asks is, what is that, right? So a smart city is where they take all the modern forms of technology and they integrate them in to essentially the grid, whether it's the power grid. And in this case, we were there as auto experts talking about how vehicles connect to the grid. So you're right. We've, we've been on the road for months and months and months. Then it stopped. And now we are back to back with Bronco and the Curiosity Lab all within two weeks. It was fun. Uh, I would say there was a lot about that trip that was fun, uh, especially hanging out with you because we don't get to spend enough time together. Um, <laughs> we used to spend, oh, we used to see each other. All, I you know. know like, like, why are you giggling, together? Jen? I don't understand. Why are you giggling? <laughs> She's angry. I'm not angry. I think it's funny. Her psychologist says she has pent up feelings. Um, so, <laughs> oh she, she, so I will tell you this: there's there are better places to be than Georgia in the summer. That's all I have to say. It right? is hot. Yes, it, it's it is hot. I don't, well, you live in Tennessee. It's hot yeah. in Tennessee, it's right? Hot. It's hot. Yeah. I, Let's I, just say it's hot everywhere right now. I don't. I I I feel like some cheese that was left out on the side and i'm weeping it's very what is wrong with you guys today bronco camaro mustang and bad cheese <laughs> don't you want to talk about cars welcome to our Holy. life welcome to our life um one of the things they had at the curiosity lab i mean they have this uh, 5g network with sprint and now t-mobile that wires the whole city together they have autonomous vehicles but the other cool thing is they have the they have this scooter that is like a, a ride hailing scooter right yeah, so they've they've partnered with a variety of different companies, companies like Bosch, Sprint, T-Mobile, Delta. Um, but they've they've partnered with a lot of incubators, smart companies that are that are launching for the first time, right? So these startup companies, one is based out in the in the Bay Area in California, uh, Go GoX, and then a company called Tortoise. And so if you think about San Diego, Los Angeles, New York, big cities that have these scooters, you know, running all around town, you see them falling on the side, you see them sitting there, you know, and they. They don't have a way to bring them back to the shop to put electricity back in them. And they have to collect them at the end of every day. Well, Tortoise is a company that developed the software to essentially make those scooters autonomous. So at the end of the day, there's a person that's controlling those scooters and sending them back to the shop so they can power them up. It's, it's cool tech, you know. It's just, you know, companies looking for ways to, to create cool tech. And the best part about it is you can hail the scooter like you do in Uber. So through an app on your phone, you hit a button. And here comes this scooter. So if you're in downtown San Diego and, you know, you want to go down to the gas lamp district, you hit the button, the scooter shows up, and you take it downtown. When you're done with it, you just leave it. How long will it be until these things are fully autonomous and they will deliver your food? That's what I want to know. Like yeah, this, we're, we, would, uh, we, you and I have had this discussion many times. We're, we're still a ways away from level four and level five autonomy. The, the, the peach tree, and we didn't talk about it this week, but they have a partnership with a company called Valkyrie. And Valkyrie does autonomous drones. So when they did their launch, they actually had this drone fly in autonomously and drop a UPS box off uh, right there in the middle of the press conference so that people could, you know, see how the drones work. I love it. I mean, I love the idea of a smart city, although a lot of people don't want uh, autonomous cars. But I think it, what it does is it opens up the road for all those people that can't drive, like kids and people who don't have driver's license and those disabled people who, who have a harder time driving. They can just basically uh, now take a autonomous shuttle anywhere, right? And this city has, actually has them up and running. Yeah, there's, there's pros and cons, right? You and I are purists. We love to drive. It's going to be very hard to get me... Uh, to, to simply sit without getting behind a wheel, hitting the accelerator pe pedal and steering. But with that said, you know, if you live in Los Angeles and you are stuck commuting from 
the Inland Empire, which is like Riverside County, into downtown L.A., there would be nothing better than a series of autonomous vehicles that, you know, were able to read the grid, read each other, communicate to one another, and you could simply sit there and sleep, work, do whatever it is that, that pleases you. Uh, and it would help streamline traffic flow as well. So we're, we're getting there. We're just, it's going to take time. Now, while we were at Peachtree Corners, we also got to uh, talk about a bunch of vehicles. We've had Dodge on today talking about uh, some of their new vehicles, but there was a new, uh, a new F-150, a new Lexus, a new Rogue. So uh, the F-150 gets an upgrade with the first hybrid powertrain. 700 miles with a hybrid powertrain, combined MPG, level two autonomy in a truck, uh, when you add those two combinations together, you really are seeing the advancements in truck technology. Obviously, trucks and SUVs have been kind of the gold standard in the auto industry the past few years. That's what everybody wants to buy. Sedans are slowly, they're not fading away. There's definitely a place for sedans like the Lexus IS, which is an incredible car. But the F-150 has got so many cool features in it. A power inverter that Ford says will light up and power your home. It's got this cool flip-down table on the inside and then of course the reclining chairs that fold all the way back like a bed you know construction workers on site they want to take a break they can um i also love the idea that ford say they have a an inboard generator that will power 28 refrigerators i'm not sure how many refrigerators you can get in the back but i don't think it's 28 (laughs) (laughs) they can fit them in the back of a camaro (laughs) or on the roof or on the hood i've had 75 wine bottles in the back of the camaro does that help you have jen i (laughs) bet you have about time we get to that part yeah (laughs) uh new nissan rogue yeah you know what so that's one of nissan's best-selling vehicles this next year nissan will launch five new vehicles including uh, the new 400Z, which is something I'm really looking forward to. But if you look at the Rogue, you know, it's such a great vehicle. It's not a full-size SUV. It's not an entry-level SUV. It's just the perfect size for a lot of families uh, that are growing and want to be able to have a lot of different things inside their vehicle. Of course, you get all the technology as well, Nissan Safety Shield. Uh, it's, you know, just great technology, lane departure warning, adaptive cruise control, front crash uh, avoidance for pedestrian detection, the things that people want in a car. You get with the Rogue. And it's comfortable. It's very comfortable. It's comfortable. Oh, I forgot that part. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite vehicles that uh, I'm glad is back, but I actually get it delivered on Monday uh, just for two days, get to try it, is the new Toyota Venza. So they're back with a Venza. Yeah, the Venza is really cool, and it is back. It's a crossover uh, utility vehicle. And, you know, for those listening in, a crossover is simply a kind of an SUV-looking vehicle that's based on a, on an actual sedan or car platform. Um, the Venz is cool. You know, they're going for a stylish cue with this and the interior, as Jen was saying a minute ago, it'll have a little bit more refinement, sophistication, luxury on the inside. So it is always doing great things. And of course, you'll get, you know, all of their, their arsenal of technologies uh, inside that vehicle from a safety standpoint. The amazing thing I noticed was it's not going to come in a gas only version. Uh, it's, it's only going to be a hybrid. They're only offering it as a hybrid, so you won't have a gas option for it. It'll be purely a hybrid vehicle. And that's, again, you know, automakers are really working to get more into that that uh, category of vehicles that have better miles per gallon, so MPG, more sustainability, electric, hybrid. Um, these are technologies that automakers are really working to achieve, especially with a vehicle like the F-150. Yeah, no, there, there are some good vehicles now. Uh, it's probably you're a few hours ahead of us uh, in Nashville. You are uh, on the lake enjoying the sun with family today. I am not going to lie to you guys. I'm literally sitting in the middle of the lake on a boat. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'm See? literally sitting on a boat in the middle of Old Hickory Lake as a jet ski goes by. 
uh, that I have to tell you that I, by the way, I just sent you on Facebook a, a new uh, jet ski thing that I think you should buy. They're they're eighty dollars and it's like a jet boogie board type thing. It's amazing. Next, uh, next week I'm going to come on and tell you about the motorcycle I just bought. Oh, that, you did? You bought the Ducati? <gasps> I did. I bought a Ducati Multistrada, and I took took me three days to tell my wife Ken. I was afraid. I would be afraid I just didn't too. Didn't know how to tell her. <laughs> Do you know the story about? Do, do, this. do you know the story that I put mine in my garage and uh, I never told my spouse? Oh, it just happened to appear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nobody ever knew. Yeah, that's the way to do it. You just buy it and leave it in the in the garage until somebody notices. All right, Mike Cordell, uh, you are an awesome guy. Uh, you can see many of Mike's videos uh, online, and uh, you can see all of his videos at ourautoexpert.com. Anything you want to know about Mike is right there. Of course, you can also go to the website and listen to this show twenty four seven. All previous episodes episodes are up as well stand by more to come here we go you're listening to our auto expert catch up with previous episodes of the show our website ourautoexpert.com you can hear all the past shows see automotive videos and read insightly car stories about your next ride our auto expert is where two million americans get their automotive news every single day i'm nick miles with truck girl jen we had ted ryan on earlier on to talk about the new bronco and of course ted usually comes on to talk to us about history mm-hmm. uh, history of vehicles and how cool they are and what he's found in the archives and all the secret fordness that goes on uh, you thought we were done with with Ford today, we are not. We got nope. more Ford in our back pocket. Uh, we have the opportunity to talk to Jim Owens, uh, the Mark, the Mustang marketing director. Uh, Jim, by the way, Ted says hello, and uh, and I'm sure you guys know each other. So Mustang is uh, is got some absolutely winning uh, attributes to it. It's getting more and more. The marquees are uh, starting to be marketed right now, but uh, the Mark One Mustang uh, came out about the same time as the Bronco originally. Strangely enough, fast forward from the 60s to the 2020s, there we go again. A new Mark One is coming out. Uh, so when can we expect to see this, Jim, arriving uh, in dealerships? Well, Nick, Jennifer, thanks for having me. And, you know, a lot of people sit there and say that I have the coolest job at Ford. And (laughs) I would suggest to you that Ted does. Right. I mean, the way he can go through and dig through the archives. I mean, you can you can get lost in there. And Ted and his crew are phenomenal. Um, So it's nice to follow Ted, but he's got the coolest job at Ford. (laughs) All right. Um, So the Mach the Mach one, um, you know, as you know, came out back in the 60s as a, you know, aero car, right? You could order it with the personalization of powertrains, right? You could do the 428, you could do the Cobra Jet, you could do the Cobra Jet with the shaker hood, um, you know, and fast forward to 2021 model year, and we will have that in the dealerships in the spring of 2021. All right, so it's back again. Is there is there such a high demand for this uh, huge five liter V eight uh, special edition of the vehicle? Uh, I, I hear it's going to have over four hundred and fifty horsepower. Yeah, it's actually going to be four hundred and eighty and four hundred and twenty five foot pounds of torque. Nice. Um, it is the eighty seven millimeter throttle body from the Shelby GT three fifty. So it's going to be breathing cold air through there to develop high revving. You know pinnacle performance both straight line and road course and the pinnacle of the five liter that we've done and you know i've been on these cars you know i've been lucky and you know worked for carol shelby for a while and but i've done performance stuff since 99 
you know, four generations basically of Mustangs I've worked on from the Fox bodies forward. And this will be the pinnacle performing five liter that we've done. Pull you from the seat of your pants. Like you're going to step off at the accelerator pedal and it pulls you right center from the seat of your pants and puts a huge smile on your face. That I, I can't tell you how much that that's exactly what I look for in a car because I love that feeling of, uh, of just the initial acceleration and the G-forces in a car. I mean, there's so many modern cars today, especially in German engineering, where they make it so you can't feel the G-force, even though it's sort of even though the car is doing the uh, the numbers and the horsepower and the performance that we see on paper. But if you can't feel it, what's the point? Yeah, or hear it, it. it. Right. Yeah, or hear it, Jennifer. You're absolutely yeah. right. And you know, this has four and a half inch exhaust pipes on it. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> You know, so dual exhaust, quad tips, four and a half inch pipes with a unique rear valence. Um, so I don't know if you've heard, you had the chance to hear the 2020 Shelby GT500, that 760 horsepower fire breathing monster. This one will have its unique exhaust note that is deep, burbling, and guttural. Nice. But that when you step on it, it begins to make you feel like you are going fast even if you're standing still at a red light revenant i i love that and almost the shakiness the shakiness of the car when it's uh, just idling you know that you, yeah. I, the 70s like i don't know if you like guys that. remember we did the boss 302 track key oh yeah back in the day the 12 13 right and the track key was you know programmable rolling loping idle like you had a high lift duration cam right and there's two pe- types of people on the planet as far as i'm concerned you pull up to the stoplight with that rolling, loping idle, and you have somebody sitting next to you in the car. They always say one of two things. Hey, dude, there's something wrong with your car. <laughs> and you know that they're not. Or, you know, thumbs up that they love it and give you, like, you know, they want to hear it rev. But that, that shaking in that engine, and we don't have the shaker hood in this car, and there's a reason for it. I know a lot of Mach 1 lovers wanted it. Um, like I said, it was an option on an option back in the 60s. It was a $62 dealer option on top of the 428 Chrysler jet engine. Um, and and uh, a lot of them didn't want it. But what we wanted to do was to produce the power in the vehicle. And where we have the cold air intake, if we put the shaker hood on it, it wouldn't have been functional. All right. And this car is about aero functionality yeah. as well as – now, we're going to put in both – the 10R automatic, so it'll be the first time we have the automatic in our performance packages. Nice. And the Tremec 3160 from the GT350 will be the manual transmission. There you go. All right. That car, that car is, I, I can't wait till you folks can drive it. Um, I'm a big fan of automatics because I, I don't like my leg getting sore while we're in traffic. Jen's a big, and by <laughs> the way, I can, I can drive Jen an automatic faster than you can drive a manual. Let's try it. Yeah, anytime you want. We'll have to get both versions. (laughs) The new 10-speed is probably going to jump all over your manual. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. And I race. I can race. Like the dual clutch, like the 7-speed dual clutch like we've had in the Ford GT, right? We have the Gertrag box and that. Um, On the Shelby GT500, we've got a Tremec 7-speed dual clutch. Now, those dual clutches, if you want to build the fastest performing vehicle, it is better than the automatic, the standard automatic, right? Because it does not have your torque converter. And it has the manual aspect where you're engaging both the gear that you're coming out of at and the same time you're engaging the gear you're going into so that, you know, you blink your eyes, 80 milliseconds, that thing will shift. There are some people, though, like Jennifer's saying, who really love the third pedal. 
I'm 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 challenging Jen though. We're gonna have to get one of these side by side and manual automatic. See who can get fast zero to sixty times out of it. We know some people that can just, get let us in the track. Too. Just saying. I'm just saying. All right. Uh, can't wait, Jim, until this comes out. If you want to find out more, of course, you can always go to Ford's website. Uh, they have everything out, including the Bronco, including the Marky, and now the uh, the Mark One Mustang, which is exciting because I remember driving. Oh, Mark One. Uh, 10, 15 years ago because it was exciting to me. Stand by. Anton Wallman's going to be here. We're going to be talking about the ID3, a new Volkswagen electric vehicle, and you'll be surprised at what's happening with the consumers in this vehicle. Coming up. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert Podcast. This is Our Auto Expert a radio show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can start a conversation with us. A car question can be asked anytime. Just direct messages at ourautoexpert.com or on one of those social media platforms. It's where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. Anton Wallman joins us on the phone. He's an independent analyst and investor. You can read a majority of his stuff at Seeking Alpha or The Street. So, Anton, let's kick off this week talking about VW's ID3. Yeah, so this is a Volkswagen's long-anticipated pure electric platform for the more budget-minded buyers, unlike the people that have been buying for the last year or so, the Audi e-tron and Porsche Taycan. This platform is going to underpin a variety of Volkswagen, Seat, and Skoda models in Europe, as well as the lower-end Audi models going forward. And this platform, they started making it last November, believe it or not. They made about 30,000 units of it by January or February of this year, but they couldn't deliver the cars because the software had some issues that they have not been willing to admit or specify what those issues were. So what has happened this week is that uh, Volkswagen actually had a media drive in Europe, uh, uh, from what I can understand are only consisting of European journalists. And typically automakers don't do that on such a broad scale unless they're within about two or so months of actually delivering the car. So maybe, just maybe, this means that we have now seen the last delay. Remember, they were going to start delivering these cars by January of this year. And uh, so at the end of the day, they'll have been at least uh, eight or eight and a half months late in uh, getting this stuff uh, done. I know that initially that we were going to see a lot of cars delivered uh, maybe a year or six months ahead of where they're now going to be delivered. Uh, they're not just, they're not the only ones. Everybody seems to be on a delay, don't they? No, I wouldn't say that I agree with that. I mean, many of these things have been on time. You know, back when the Chevy Bolt, Bolt with a B, came out about four years ago, um, that came out uh, earlier than people anticipated. And uh, cars such as the Nissan Leaf came out on time, and Kia and Hyundai were able to deliver their electric cars. I mean, there were no significant delays in most of these programs. Some of them were a couple of months late. I mean, the Audi e-tron a uh, year and a half ago uh, was late by maybe three or four months at the time. But most of these things really haven't been. I mean, remember the Jaguar I-Pace got out roughly on time. Yeah. Mercedes EQC in Europe, roughly on time. But this particular platform has caused VW some tremendous problems and delays. But hopefully we may be seeing the very uh, last of the tail end of those delays. At this point. I was thinking more of uh, this week, my friend, who had put money down on a Rivian, was expecting it to arrive oh, God. This, this fall. Yeah, well, these new companies, of course, that have 
no experience, some might say no credibility in delivering anything on time ever. Uh, I think I hold the bar uh, a bit lower for them. In any case, they tend to run out there and promise all of these delivery time frames. And uh, there, I just do not come even close to believing them in the first place. And even though Rivian, of course, is by far and away the best funded of them all with uh, companies like Amazon and Ford and many other ones behind them, uh, I think that they still uh, they, they they just don't even have the factory ready yet. I mean, they're still equipping their factory. So whatever they say about next year, I mean, I <laughs> at this point, there's no room or margin for error there. Uh, Tesla reporting earnings of around $100 million, but everything may not be as it seems with that. No, uh, just like with the last many, many quarters in the years, uh, you know, they reported here the for the fourth quarter in a row, a tiny, tiny profit, but uh, an amount that was much larger than that consisted of these emissions credits that they get from other automakers paying them because their governments forced them to from around the world. And most recently, Fiat Chrysler has been the biggest contributor, as far as we know, to Tesla for paying these things, and that pertains to Fiat Chrysler's failure to meet the um, CO2 emissions laws in Europe. So... Uh, Tesla got something like $428 million this quarter. So, uh, yes, they made a profit of $100 million, but uh, well over 100% of that number comes from these payments. So Tesla still does not make money selling natural cars. You know, they get money from uh, these de facto government subsidies. Yeah, and and unfortunately, you know, it's going to be... A a difficult thing for them going forward because they they make a lot of promises that they struggle to keep uh they they're also promising their cars will be self-driving by the end of the year yeah and this is for those who keep score on these things this is not a new promise from tesla they promised this in first in october of 2016 then again in uh 2017 2018 2019 Remember the one million robo taxis by the end of the year that they said in April twenty second to twenty nineteen. None of these promises have come true, of course, by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, these cars you still have to, um, you know, have your hands on the wheels and eyes on the road. The cars do not stop for stationary objects. That's why they rear end anything that stands still, whether it's a truck or a ambulance or a police vehicle at the slightest uh, ability to do so. Uh, so uh, they they they're not even close, and they he's still promising full self-driving by the end of the year. I mean, full self-driving. I mean, in English, what that means. I mean, self-driving self self meaning the car is by itself, no person in the car. The car drives itself, uh, just like any other human being, on all roads, in all temperatures, all conditions. Um, I think uh, most people in the industry understand that this will never happen to the existing cars that are out there. They're simply not equipped to handle that. Uh, and certainly not by the end of this year or next year or probably within the decade. But Elon Musk has a way of promising uh, completely unrealistic things at this point. Uh, Tesla announced uh, their move to, uh, I think it's Austin, Texas. They were going to build a, not necessarily move, they were going to build a factory in Austin, Texas, which is going to build a Cybertruck and other vehicles. Is this good or bad news for Texas and good or bad news for California? Well, it's certainly good news for Texas, and you may remember 90 days ago, back at the end of April, when the company reported this first quarter, uh, he said that the company was going to move its headquarters, not just build a new factory in Texas, but they were actually going to move all future vehicle development programs and the company's headquarters to Texas. So this is it. This is it. So they're not, at this point, closing down 
their California factory. But uh, I think we can all see where the stars uh, are starting to align here. They've got their factory up and running in China. The first half of it is producing cars to the tune of about 150,000 cars uh, on an annualized basis, and they're doubling the size of that factory so that they can theoretically produce 300,000 cars per year uh, by early next year. And then they're building this factory in Texas, which I don't think they specifically specified how many they can make there, but uh, the sky's the limit. It's a huge lot that they have access to, and they start uh, construction on that pretty much right now. Uh, so when these factories are built, why would you need to build anything in California? Certainly the company would be having zero incentive to expand the capacity inside California at that point, but uh, will they actually shut it down, and how soon? Well, that's uh, to be seen, but I think that they're certainly leaving themselves the option if California does not become more business-friendly to say, hey, you know, we have a new factory in China, we have a new factory in Texas, and they're starting construction under the factory in uh, just outside of Berlin. So between those other factories, they could certainly, at some point within the next three years, say uh, adios to California if they should so desire. BMW uh, had, were early adopters, I think, of uh, hydrogen. They had a lot of test vehicles in Germany, seven series that ran just on hydrogen alone. Of course, the infrastructure is one of the main problems with hydrogen in the United States. It only tends to be in Southern California and some areas around San Francisco, although those expansion of hydrogen stations is a plan uh, and hopefully will be executed for those people that want to use that. Uh, ultimately, BMW now saying that they are going to have their next generation of the X5 or the iNex is going to arrive in several years from now, but they're going to take another run at hydrogen. Is this a good idea? I think it's a decent idea to uh, give this a shot. Basically, what uh, came out a little bit as a surprise, you know, the what they call the iNex is really the all-electric version of a future um, uh, X5 that they will start manufacturing before the end of 2021. What they're saying is that they're going to make a hydrogen fuel cell version of that one and deliver that at some point in the coming years after that. And uh, hydrogen, especially among the German automakers, had largely fallen out of favor with respect to regular passenger cars, not heavy trucks, but just passenger cars and and SUVs and the like. Uh, But now BMW coming out and saying this uh, really marks a little bit of a shift from uh, the de-emphasis that we have seen here on hydrogen fuel cell cars by many automakers, in particular the German ones, over the last handful of years. So this is an interesting uh, announcement that therefore piqued my interest a little bit. Uh, Daimler said that they're in their earnings call recently that uh, hydrogen was also on the table for them. That's right. So Daimler, of course, uh, reported their more or less catastrophic uh, uh, second quarter earnings. And as part of that, their head of buses and trucks made the statement that uh, um, absolutely the company was going to be increasingly committed to hydrogen fuel cell vehicles, but only, of course, for trucks and buses. And when I say trucks, I mean the large trucks, like the large commercial, the very largest commercial trucks. So um, they had always been doing a lot of research in this regard. They had a couple of test fleets out over the last 15 years. Uh, and uh, Mercedes basically abandoned the idea of making hydrogen fuel cell vehicles for regular passenger cars and the like. But for buses and very, very large commercial trucks, uh, they seem to sound like they will absolutely make an increased effort at, at doing this. And I think they're working in cooperation with Volvo to do that, actually. So um, they will start testing these things over the next uh, year or two. Uh, and uh, then they hope to be in a commercial deployment in meaningful volume during the second half of this decade, so after about 2025. 
All right, Anton Wallman, he's an independent analyst and investor. If you want to read some of Anton's stuff, and he has some very interesting stories, and I love that one of the things that you do, Anton, is bullet point everything in your stories up front so you get the facts. And, of course, that's sort of a teaser, and appetizer to the rest of the story. You can read those five or six facts and then get into the story and find out exactly how uh, he arrived at those uh, analyzations. Uh, he is an independent analyst and investor. The majority of his staff is at the street and seeking alpha, a man who knows an awful lot and can remember dates like nobody else but knows an awful lot about the auto industry. Go read his stuff. More Our Auto Expert on the way. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. All right, your smart speaker can be your radio. Just say, hey, Google, or hey, Alexa, or hey, Siri, play Our Auto Expert radio show and all the previous episodes of the show and the podcast are available hours of endless fun for you and the whole family i'm nick miles this is our auto expert radio show where two million americans get their automotive news daily joining us on the phone is uh, the written contributor to our auto expert perry stern writes some uh, very riveting articles but perry is taking his top off for summer so what have we discovered with your top off perry <laughs> oh it's so much more comfortable this way <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you write uh, this the articles about the the best convertible sports cars every year. So for 2020, uh, what has caught your eye? I mean, I just read it, and I think it's super interesting. Uh, and I'm going to ask you something, and I pretty much I'm sure I know the answer. Uh, but what, first of all, let's start off with what caught your eye uh, in general. Well, it's you know it's the time of year when you you know you want to go out and enjoy the weather. But, you know, with the way things are right now, you can't really go out and enjoy the weather with lots of people. So what could be more fun than just getting behind the wheel of a sports car and, and escaping from everybody? And so it's uh, – and there's, there's so, much, so much fun in all of these cars. Uh, and they range, you know, quite a bit. I mean, of course, there's the Miata, which is one of my favorites uh, as an owner of an older one. Um, and it's, you know, if you ever get a chance to drive it, it's just like a little go-kart. I mean, right. it's, it just puts a smile on your face as soon as you drive it. And then they range all the way up to, you know, something like a Lamborghini Aventador SVJ, which is going to set you back, you know, close to $600,000. If you can find but one. If you can find one, which, right. you know, I wish I had that problem. Yes. Yes. I was going to spend $600,000, but I can't find one. Man, this is a great <laughs> I know, list. I hate that. Um, here's my thing. And I know you're obviously a Miata fan. Uh, I think do you have a hardtop or you have a convertible. I have a convertible. Okay, I'm actually a fan of the Fiat 124, and I know everybody goes. Wah, 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 wah. No, it's fun to drive. Um, I like the Fiat 20. It's made in the same factory in Hiroshima, in Japan. But I just like the styling and the interior better. I would say the Miata engine's probably better. But uh, but how do you feel about the 124? Are you solidly in Miata camp? No, it's it's interesting that you know having driven the two cars back to back, they are quite different. Where the Miata feels quicker, yeah. uh, it feels almost more lighter and agile. The the Fiat actually feels faster, if that makes sense. It, yeah. It's it's got more power. It will you know will keep going. Uh, styling wise, uh, it's a toss up. I mean, they're so different uh, that I think I could go with either one. The interesting thing is that the interior is all Mazda. Which is unfortunate because Mazda has one of the worst infotainment systems there are. So <laughs> well, the, and, and FCA actually has one of the best ones. It's too right. bad they didn't go the other in, way. In, in front of the driver, everything is is the same. But but the seats and the carpeting and the sort of center console is slightly different. And I, I like the Lusso. Yeah. I like the plushness of uh, of the Fiat. 
because obviously it's Italian. They work very hard on the seats. Uh, they're tanned leather colors. I think that's one of the things that I'm not sure about uh, Mazda. And we have a few Mazdas in our garages. Uh, the, the Mazdas uh, tend to be fairly pedestrian on the inside. They're black, usually. Uh, in fact, I can't think of a Mazda I have seen that isn't black on the inside. I'm sure they have them. But uh, with Fiat, you know, you get two-tone color combinations and a little more thought. And, and I spend most of my time on the inside of a car seat. So, you know, when I'm in a car. So I, I kind of like a little more plush seating for my big behind. <laughs> and, and I'm in agreement with you on that. I mean, it's, you know, the Miata, and that's a good point. The Miata is great to drive. As a daily driver, I would probably lean towards the Fiat. Right. Yeah. But, no. you know, because I like I like a nicer interior, and you're right. That's a big you know part of it. You're not on twisty roads all day. If you were, I'd want the Fiat. Uh, for for people more realistic too, you have the Mini Cooper convertible here. I have a Mini John Cooper Works uh, Countryman, and I I don't drive it very often. I mean, it sits in the driveway most of the time. But when I get out and drive it, you forget how much fun minis are to drive, and a convertible is almost the perfect summer car. It is, and it actually seats four. I mean, it's the least expensive four-seat sports car convertible you can buy. Um, and one of the things, I don't know if you'd noticed, I did a little calculation just for fun to see how much each horse costs right. mm-hmm. for the horsepower. Um, and it came up with some really interesting results. I mean, the Miata, uh, or rather the Mini, is relatively inexpensive right. but its horsepower is not right uh the the cheapest horsepower you can buy is actually a ford mustang gt convertible right um it's under a hundred dollars per horse yeah and uh, that, that's which, sort of that's dodge money right there i mean dodges tend to tout the fact that they're under a hundred horse dollars per horsepower right which you know if, if horsepower is what it's all about the interesting thing is that the the top four or five are all domestic yeah Fords and Chevrolets. Merck. Um, and uh, so it's, you know, if, if you're looking for a good deal, that's, you know, on, on power anyway, that's right. the way to go. The Corvette right. is 134. Yeah. That's pretty good. I mean, you it's interesting now because that's all I can look at. Now you mentioned it. That's all I can look at is the price per horsepower. My eye goes to that automatically when I scroll up and down your list on our auto expert. Um, let's look at the other end. Uh, we, you mentioned the uh, the uh, Lamborghini, but it's not. You know, there are some fairly reasonable vehicles as well for uh, for some. They don't have to cost six hundred thousand dollars. I mean, you can get stuff under seventy thousand dollars, which is a pretty incredible uh, performer. Well, yeah, I mean, you've got, you know, you've got Corvette, which you just mentioned. I mean, Corvette convertible is, you know, starts at 66 and, you know, that gets you almost 500 horsepower and, you know, just scream of the vehicle. Um, and so, and then you've also got the updated Jaguar F-Type, um, which, you know, all new for 2021 with much sleeker, uh, headlights. It's, you know, it's a, a nice evolution of that car. And the F-Type has always been one of my favorites. It's just, gorgeous i did i i was very excited about uh, one car that we've driven together um aston martins in germany but uh, i see here it's 439 dollars and 17 cents a horsepower <coughs> <laughs> yeah once you get into the aston martin ferrari territory yeah that horsepower is you're, pay, you're paying for a lot of nice styling as well I think. yeah well, I mean, they are they are super nice, but um, I think I have chest pain. Did you go down to the Aventador? <laughs> well, yeah, but we know that the, yeah. the, the like, supercars are going to be ridiculous. Well, right. 
Yeah, yeah the, the Aventador is extreme in just about everything, including price per horsepower. Yeah. All right. Uh, Perry, uh, the article's up on our Auto Expert, right? It is, absolutely. And how many of these cars have you actually driven? You know, it's funny you asked that because I was looking through, and I think at least about half of them. Um, you know, obviously, as you get towards the top ones, I think the of the the uh, top vehicles on this list, the the highest one I've driven is the McLaren, the 720 Spider. Uh, mine's the Super um, Super Ligera, as I think the high the. Uh, you're a step above mine. No, I don't know. I don't know. That that would be a toss-up. Hey, mine's a hurricane. Huracan. Huracan. Yeah, yeah. Huracan convertible. That's also a great one. Uh, Perry Stern from Our Auto Expert. You can also read a lot of his stuff on MSN uh, Autos. He is a great contributor to the site. He's very, very cool. And the cars he talks about are definitely out of my budget. Most of them. Maybe the, <laughs> the bottom five are in my budget. Uh, Our Auto Expert, of course, there is a website. You can read Perry's article about uh, taking his top off for summer. And also all of our videos are there. This radio show is there. And uh, pictures of Jen are there, riding a scooter <laughs> up and down my driveway. You can read all of that. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to Our Auto Expert with Nick Miles. Find all the show episodes at ourautoexpert.com. Please follow us on all social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Our Auto Expert. And message us for a quick and witty response. Yeah.